crew start waking, stretching, yawning. Just another outback morning. Nah, this one's special. It's Macca on a Sunday morning. G'day, Macca. It's Paul from Foxground on the South Coast. Hey, as I was whizzing up north this morning in the Auto Magic Cruise Controlled Western Star, I was thinking when I was little, we're talking 66, I used to go everywhere with my uncle in his truck. I can't do it with the grandkids now because the rules. And even if I take them in the truck, I can't get them in the gate to wherever I'm going. It's a bit of a loss. It's a bit like on the planes. You know, years ago when I used to fly, I haven't flown for ages, I haven't flown for years in a plane, but I used to fly all the time. And occasionally you could go up the front or you could send the little kids up the front with the pilot and sit in the thing, but that doesn't happen anymore either. It's like that Chad Morgan song, Highway Fever. You know, your goose is cooked once you take the wheel. Yeah. Like he let me take the wheel of his Mac road train up in Catherine when I was 14. I've been driving trucks on my brake because I'm a miner uh-huh. uh, basically ever since. I'm unloading in Sydney at the moment, actually. Oh, right. It's the uh, adage my uncle taught me, if it can't tip off or pour off, don't cart it. <laughs> so we're pumping it off now. Well, good on you, mate. Lovely to talk to you. Good on you. See ya. Yeah, Macker in the morning turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. Wait all week for Macker. On a Sunday morning, there's truckies ringing, quilters calling, there's winter chills and snow starts falling, and everybody's talking about the weather. Jeez, Carl, mate. In Jamestown, Buckin', Old Talbingo, Lura, Portsea, Bernie, Dingo, they're warming up with Macca on a Sunday morning. I wait all week for Macca oh, on yes. a Sunday morning. Winter draws on and it has been cool. Marie Hobson says, Macca, talking about reinventing our own industry, the Black Hole Wool Scour in Queensland is a fine example of how it used to be done, with tonnes of wool once cleaned in Black Hole and shipped around Australia and overseas. It's a working piece of history and should be visited by everyone who's involved in getting Australia to make Australia make again. What a, isn't it great? Love it. The Black Hole Wool Scour operated from 1908 through to 78 and is Australian heritage at its best. Wool scouring means wool washing. The scour is an important part of the national heritage. It's the only steam-driven scour incorporating a shearing shed left in Australia. In 2002, the Black Hole Wool Scour once again started using steam to run the machinery. Black Hole, of course, sits over the artesian basin. Have a great day, says Marie Hobson. Good on you, Marie. Thank you very much. Uh, From Donna McKellar, we've been listening to you speak about letter writing this morning. Our son joined the Army in 2019 and our communication with him for the first 12 weeks was letter writing. It was his saviour at Kapuka to write to us. We received 12 letters in 12 weeks and cherished receiving them, says Donna from Hamilton in Victoria. Thank you, Donna. June Brockhurst says, I've started buying Australian only two years ago, but better late than never. Only buying Aussie has made it hard to find, but it's worth my kids' future. Exactly. And Susan says, now that the ABC shops and centres are shut, where can you buy music? My husband and I listen to your program on Sundays and often buy some of the songs from iTunes, but sometimes they're not on iTunes or for me to buy. I heard him play We The People and I wanted to be able to hear it again and then buy it, but it's not showing on iTunes or Spotify. Where can you get albums? Says I can Google them, but don't know where to purchase them. Plus, I like to listen to them before I buy. Sometimes I prefer to just buy the individual songs that I'm drawn to. I'm building up my own little playlist for when we go camping and get out on the road, says Susan. Susan, it's much harder now, isn't it? Without the ABC shops and centres, I, th- I find it is. There are still shops that sell CDs and music and albums and things like that, but they're harder to find. I don't think our songs that we've 
the ABC has released or used to release are available on iTunes or Spotify. Maybe we should try and change that. 1300 700 222, that's the number. We do things well in Australia. You'll hear that from the voices of many of the guests. Come and meet Keith from Toon Gabby. G'day, Macca. How are you? Yeah, good thing, mate. longing to talk to you for many, many years, but never seemed to get to get on, so I thought I'd get up early this morning and see how I go. I'm just outside now looking at the bees and foggy morning and pretty cold and yeah, waiting for the fog to lift so I can do a bit in the backyard, hang the missus's washing out before she gets up and goes crook on me and a few other things. <laughs> Gee, you're a busy bloke, Keith. I believe, you know, the day's half buggered by the time most people get up about 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm a 5 o'clock riser every day. I've been a wool classer all my life for the last 40-odd years and huh. spent a lot of my time in the bush all over New South Wales and parts of southwest Queensland. Had bees for 57 years. Just lived a life of Riley sort of thing. You've got your own bees, have you, Keith? I have. I've got uh, six boxes in the backyard now, but I've got to get rid of a few because the council say I'm only allowed to have two or three. And, uh, I'm in an area where we've got lots and lots of acreage I'm down on the Tungabi Creek and there's about 3,000 acres of open land and trees and everything and I'm really blessed where I live. I've hardly got any neighbours. The bees fly straight over the fence and into the wilderness, so they're happy and so am I. Yeah, there's not a lot of flowers around at the moment, but uh, I notice the gums like the lemon-scented's flowering, so they'd like that. that. Well, at least you know your your trees, they're right out at the moment, the lemon-scented gums, and also a few of the myocories, the stringy barks, but I've locked them down. You, You take three boxes, you lock them down to two, and and leave a box of honey for them for over winter and they're happily for the next three months and then come late August, early September, they start to break out again. They're down to about, say, 20,000 bees now and they'll build up to about 60,000 bees in about five weeks. And what's the honey like? Oh, beautiful. I can't get enough of it. People buy my honey and that or I give it away mostly and they never go back to the supermarket, so I'm not doing the supermarkets much good. When I lived at Parramatta many, many years ago, I lived next to a bloke called Bill Smith and he was a panel beater and and just starting to get started and that. And he he turned out to be the beginner of Capilano Honey, him and his brother. I know a lot of commercial blokes. When I was out in the country, weekends when all the shearers go home, I'd go and hang around with the farmer or go and find the local commercial beekeeper and help him for the weekend. And, geez, I got to know a lot of people and that. The bottom's fallen out of the fine wool market because the Chinese have stopped buying our wool. It's dropped by about 50% the price for fine wool. And the sad part about it, uh, Macca, is they buy 86% of our wool, so without them we're you know, up the creek. Well, I think we've just got to gird our loins and hold and hold and hold till they decide to buy again. The trade started to go down about 1962 when they said to me, one day it'll become a cottage industry and, mm. and I battled on to 2008 and then they'd come and tap me on the shoulder when I was 64. But uh, it's still going strong, but there's no wool stores in Sydney. Our Sheepville, Badgery, Lumbee are the last ones over at Yonora. I was actually the last real wool classer to leave the trade in Sydney, and, and there were thousands here. But I tried to ring up an old mate of mine, Jimmy Payton in Cootamundra, and he was E.S. Payton's son's Cootamundra, big shearing contractors, and his son answered the phone. He said, oh, Keith, I'm sorry to tell you, Dad passed away three years ago. And he used to joke with me, out of 260 blokes we used to have in the, in the teams, we had three or four teams going and shearing all over the bloody place. And he and I were the last of the two. So I'm like that poor bloke in that movie, Last Man Standing. Good on you, Keith. Great to talk to you, mate. Okay, Mac, a nice talking to you.
G'day, this is Macca. Hi, it's Jenny from Newcastle. Bern, hi, hi, Jenny. Uh, How are you? I'm, I'm good, but I'm concerned today as a community nurse for all the people in the Melbourne lockdown towers. Uh-huh. I know in those towers there's people who need wound dressings, there's people who need medications, there's people who need look after their children. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And you can't just say, oh, we have to lock you down today. Because there's so much that everybody in those towers needs. You know what I mean? You can't just say, um, because then it's not thought through. Like, you know, those people have to have um, time to actually sort of what, you know, even um, people who have, want wound dressings, where, where do they go? Can the nurse come in and go out? You know what I mean? Exactly. There's people who are looking after their children. And uh, what do they do? Can their children stay there or not? You know what I mean? It's just really bad way of, of attacking this. And I think it's a really problem for the people that are there. And I, I feel for them because I know I've been, I've looked after people in the housing and commission and they're beautiful people, but it's not fair what they're doing to them suddenly. I, uh, Jenny, I, I totally agree with you. And you're from Newcastle, Jenny, is that right? Yes, yeah. I am, but I'm a community nurse. And mm. I look out in Newcastle, we have like our institution areas, and I go into those, you know, mm. every day, you know what I mean? So I know what, what happens there, but you can't just say, oh, no. you know, oh, in, nobody can come in or out. And That's draw just, a line, yeah, you can't yeah. just draw a line yeah. and say, oh, we're in lockdown, end of, end of the section, exactly. Yeah. All right, Jenny, good on you. Good. Nice to talk thanks, to you. Thanks for being there. Thanks That's for a, being there, Macca, for giving this out. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Bye. Jeff's in Byron Bay. Morning, Jeff. Uh, good morning, Maga. How you going? I'm pretty good, thanks. It's uh, a little bit chilly here, but uh, bright, clear skies. We're looking forward to uh, heading out across the bar here at Brunswick Heads to uh, photographs and whales. Oh, wow. Um, uh, apparently, this last week, there was a, they counted over 400 passing the lighthouse at Byron. So you're on the humpback yeah. highway? Yeah, that's the word. Oh, my young bloke's just opened up, a, he's a photographer, and he just opened up a a gallery in uh, Byron, and he's uh, looking for uh, some uh, good photographs to put up in his gallery. Yeah, it's very ex- one, very exciting to of, see that, isn't it? Oh, it's a, you, honestly, we've got some footage from a couple of years ago where they uh, were actually circling our boat for an hour and a half, two, two whales, and Craig was able to get the footage on his drone of the whales circling our boat for over an hour. I wonder, why they, I wonder what they're thinking. Are they... Just having a look, or well, maybe... they're just having a look. They're curious animals, and it's it, you know it's such a a pleasure and a, a privilege to be that close to them and uh, and observe what they're doing. It's it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's it's a bit like an elephant to me. They're so big and so yep. sort of slow, if you know what I mean. And yeah. and they just they don't you know we we live in this world where everything's zipping around, cars and planes and and these yep. these just sort of. Yeah, I don't know. It's the size, I think. Is you know, it's just yeah. We've never yeah. seen what what they're currently doing is they, they call it a heat run. You get four or five or more, perhaps in a row or, mm. or in a group. Wow! And I guess the females in front of them, you get these uh, males chasing one another and chasing the female. It becomes a really um, a hectic situation. But uh, we've got some really good um, shots. He took in his gallery at the moment. He took a, a, a really nice photograph underwater of uh, Migaloo a couple of years ago. Oh, right, the and white that one. Was a, that was a life-changing situation for us both, you know, to, to be that close to see that guy so uh, clearly. 
Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. So, Jeff, you live in Brunswick or you live in Byron? No, or? I live in Lismore. Oh, Lismore, I just right. travel down from Lismore to, to Brunswick now, yeah. And there are many people swimming at the bay at the moment, um, do you know? Uh, it's like about six or seven, I oh, know, it might be 10 degrees, so there aren't too many. But uh, yeah, the only people, you can spot them a mile off the people who come from Tasmania. Yeah, go on, They're all swimming. <laughs> well, yeah, I went for a swim this week, I'll tell you, and it was um, it was a bit fresh, but um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think yeah. the water was about uh, 16 or 17. But um, Yeah, well, the temperature here is pretty good. The water temperature is pretty good. It's about 20. Yeah. 20 degrees. Yeah, so you're not going for, you're not going surfing, Jeff. No, no, I'll I'll just stick to driving the boat while Craig does his uh, his stuff with the camera. Yeah, oh fantastic. But, it's it's a lovely yeah, lovely, yeah. lovely thing to see, isn't it? Just uh, It is. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't recommend it more to anyone to uh to go out and have a look at the whales and what they do. It's uh you know, you don't feel in any way uh threatened or endangered by them even though they're 10 times the size of the boat. Yeah, they're huge um, things. Yeah. And haven't things changed? I mean, this wasn't happening uh, 30 years ago, was it, or 40 years ago? No, um, no. And, but they've made a comeback, which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. They've, um, they've yeah, the whaling station here is, <laughs> oh, you can see underwater, you can see parts of where it was. Yep. But uh, it's no longer, my wife remembers that there's a child's, you know, the, the whale, whale uh, hunting that occurred here. And Jeff, That's all long, long gone. Yeah, Jeff, yeah. how's uh, how's a country town like Lismore doing? Um, you know, in COVID and after COVID sort of thing. Oh, COVID, it's, 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 as far as I'm aware, is not much of a problem. It was quiet a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, the shops were all uh, grinding their teeth, worrying about it. But today and last week, uh, you know, things are starting to pick up in terms of people moving around and uh, shopping and going to restaurants and so on. So, no, we, I think we're. Hopefully, managed to uh, beat it. We hope that uh, not too many uh, uh, people that have got infections uh, visit us. Yeah, that's in the near future. That's the that's the thing, isn't it? You've got to try and yeah. uh, keep it down and keep away and do the things that everybody say. Yeah, stay away from yeah. other people and wash your hands and um, hope yeah. for the best. Really. Yeah. Well, I'm really conscious. Last year, I had the worst flu I'd ever had, and uh, I, I told the doctor, I said, I now know what I feel like just before I die. So there's no way I want to catch this. Blessed flu or, or, or the uh, coronavirus. I thought that was being seasick. You felt like you were going to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's what I, I take drugs for that, mate. No worries at all. All right. Good on you, Jeff. Great, yeah. to, great okay. to talk. Yeah, you too, mate. I did speak to you about 15 years ago. Really? On a, on a topic that was uh, very uh, current. It's still current. That was TAFE. All oh, right, yeah. The, uh, the dilemma that TAFE uh, was facing 15 years ago, oh, more than 15 years ago. Is it still? And uh, most of the things we talked about then, you know, in terms of the, the decline have actually occurred. So it's a, an indictment on the Australian uh, governments of all persuasions to the, uh, the effects they've had. Is that still happening? Because, you know, we need we need tradesmen uh, more than ever. I yeah. mean, they're, the, they're the, the building blocks of the nation, really. Yeah. Well, you asked me, is it still happening? It's happened. It's, it's TAFE now has a, I don't know, because I'm retired from it now, but I know that uh, when I retired, they didn't replace me. And uh, since then, I don't know they've ever recruited any full-time staff locally here anyway. Um, so it's all done on a shoestring. And uh, one of the sad things, because when I, when in my era, you had to be a tradesman, but you also had to have additional qualifications to to be a teacher. 
today you've just got to have a, a, a six-hour lesson on uh, train the trainer and uh, you're in. <laughs> yeah. So the quality is, is an issue too, I, su- I suspect. Yeah. But anyway. I might have told you when I, when I, my first job when I was a young bloke was working at the technical, Sydney Technical College and one of the things we, we had to do was send things out to all the – all the taste, and I worked in the school of building, which had the school of carpentry yeah. and joinery, the yeah. school of bricklaying, the school of painting yeah. and decorating, the sc- yeah. all these all these building schools. And um, I'm yeah. not sure if they still exist, but they train thousands and thousands of apprentices in all sorts of things: yeah. painting and decorating, wall yeah. wall tiling, um, you know, uh, saw doctoring, everything. Um, yeah. yeah, you're talking about the past, Macca. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm telling you now, the future's not like that. Uh, it's terrible. I, I, well, I get, I get really upset when I talk about it. Actually, I'll shut up then. It, go and enjoy the <laughs> go and enjoy no the whales. Oh, well, I'm going to. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Cheers. Bye. 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 Hi, this is Carol. Good day, Carol. It's a bit chilly this morning, and I'm 74 years old. I've just got up to feed 15 Arab horses. Where, <laughs> where, where are you, Carol? I'm in Kawongbar in Brisbane and I rented a little cottage and part of the plan was to have me manage the horses. Um, and so every day, twice a day, I'm out there with the, the horses and their happy faces and I'm very isolated, which is great from the, the uh, pandemic. And, and yeah, so I used to work horses in Victoria and I, I played a part in the Snowy movie in the early days. All right. Yeah. So, we so had you... um, 210 horses for me to manage there with six helpers. So you've been around horses most of your life, Carol? Yeah, I brought my kids up on my own and I lived in country town, so it was always, you know, working with animals and things to keep the kids and I. Yeah. There you go. But, so you got you said you got a dozen Arab horses there? Fifteen. Fifteen, wow. Yep, yeah, uh, big uh, job, but they're all beautiful and it's amazing how responsive they are to the care and they're, they're just lovely and they, they get me out of bed of a morning and... I don't feel so old anymore when I'm out there with them. <laughs> so whereabouts are you? Kowongbar, Brisbane. Kowongbar. Yeah. Is that in uh, out of Brisbane a bit or? Um, it's semi-rural out of the CBD, semi-rural area. And um, it's a, uh, a stud, uh, Nathan Park. But it's it's just lovely to get up and see all those happy faces because there's nobody complaining and they're, they're all eager and <laughs> glad to see you and they all talk. <laughs> Isn't that nice? And they're all got different personalities too, haven't they? Oh, definitely, yeah. I've got one big white stallion who is the foundation horse of this place and he's an absolute sweetie. And when I came here, they said, oh, you'll have to be careful of him. He's been a terror ever since he was born, you know. And you know, what? he's such a pussy cat and he does everything I tell him and he's a real smooch. <laughs> so how long have you and, been looking after the horses for, Carol? Um, at the moment, I've been here for like four months. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it fitted in really well and the horses have all been fantastic, so no uh, problem. And how did you get that job? I mean, how do you get a job looking after horses? Is that a... Well, I, I, um, people knew my reputation from Victoria and I work with, um, I'm a volunteer with, um, the first aid, um, instructional services up here and a couple of my friends knew the lady who owns the, uh, stud and said that I was looking for somewhere because my rent was going up and up and up. And so she said she had a little cottage on the property and she knew that I, I was good with the horses and they offered it to me and I took it. <laughs> well, there you go. Good for your mental health too, something like that, Carol, I'm sure. Oh, look, 
you know, the horses have saved my sanity because I don't have extended family and, and I never see my family now. And, and, you know, your friends are all working and busy and everything and, and the horses are just... I get up of a day and think, oh, my God, you know, another day. And then I get out there and see them and think, oh, look, they love me. That's it. I'm happy. <laughs> it must have been fun working on the Snowy River um, film too. It was. They, um, the hut that Kirk Douglas lived in while he was in that movie was built at the back of my brother's property. And, um, yeah, it's still there, I believe, and people go have a look at it. Um, Kirk Douglas visited our property and him and my boss, my boss and the Lovicks were actually contending for the cult to be used in the movie, and uh, my my boss's arch enemy got the deal, <laughs> which didn't make my boss very happy. But um, yeah, they all came up there, and there was choppers flying in and out, and people testing horses and all sorts of stuff. And um, Kirk had actually had a ride on my horse, and he loved him. So I didn't take the saddle off for a week, and my boss told me I was very naughty. <laughs> 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 All right, Carol, good on you. Nice to talk to you from Karongba. Yep. And, uh, yep. yeah, good luck. Oh, thank you. The show's fantastic. Keeps me going. Thanks very much. Good on you. Okay, bye. Bye. G'day, Marcus. Shane, driving home from night shift in Karatha, mate. How are you? Good, thanks, Shane. That's good. Uh, mate, I, just, I was actually ringing up for a bit of a song request. Uh, what happened was... Uh, 37 years ago this year, a bunch of us joined the military as apprentices. We're all between 15 and 17. It was the 37th intake of apprentices that they'd had. So this year it was 37 years since we joined. Wow. Um, We all got together on the Gold Coast. It turns out one of us was a bit more talented than the rest, and he's he's got a top 10 hit in the country and western charts. I was ringing whether I could ask to hear it played or put a plug in for the fella. He's a... an ex-aircraft engine fitter, and now, now he's plucking away on guitar. <laughs> What's his name? Jed Zarb. Uh-huh. And uh, one, of, one of his songs is Hillbilly Cider. But, yeah, 37 years since we all joined up. What everybody's doing now is amazing, but uh, it was absolutely fantastic. One of the best things I've done in a long time. Yeah, and you joined up, why for, Shane? I I come from a military family. I wanted a trade, and I particularly wanted that trade. Mm. Um, so in those days, we could join. We're between 15 and 17. You signed up for nine years. Um, I eventually went from the Air Force to the Army, and then from the Army spent a number of years contracted to the UN. So went to all sorts of places. Um, just really good starting career, really good starting life. Um, I have, a, have an excellent life. I'm a FIFO worker and love it. Love the job I do. Um, Realise right at the moment I'm, with everything going on, I'm a very, very fortunate person. Appreciate it every minute of the day. I'm just on my way home from night shift. Um, that start we all got at 15 and 17 has put, put everybody in some amazing places. Some guys are still in the military, um, have reached quite high ranks. Um, pretty much from everything I saw, everybody's doing things they love doing. You know, it, it set us up really well. It's, it's a shame they don't have it anymore. But, uh, yeah, that was another UN decision. Yeah, I think uh, from my experience with, with people who are in the Army, it's a, it's a great starting point in life. Um, for all, As you say, you know, some people stay in the Army, and, but others leave and do other things like you've done, Shane, and um, make a contribution in all sorts of ways. But uh, it's a great, uh, great base. It's like a training ground, really, isn't it, for, for many things, not just for you know, military things. Oh, for sure. There's... When you get out, there's a lot of companies, you know, we call it the mafia. There's an ex-military mafia. 
<laughs> but, uh, I mean, if you think of FIFO work in the industry I'm in, the ex-military guys um, understand the barracks or the FIFO camp system, understand getting themselves to work for pre-start, all those things that can be a, a bit of a culture shock for somebody who's never lived that life aren't a culture shock for the ex-military guys. It just takes that issue out of it, you know. So you do find industries attack, attract ex-military blokes, industries like this. Good on you, Shane. Great to talk to you, mate. Thanks, Becca. Cheers, mate. Good on you, mate. Bye. Rick Kemp says, yesterday, July 4th, at 12 noon, the Earth reached its furthermost point from the sun in its annual slightly elliptical around-the-sun movement. Likely that means that sunrise will begin to become slightly earlier each day after reaching its latest rise time on the 27th of June, post the winter solstice. This means the day length, sunrise to sunset or photo period, will change at the end of the day as we move through the cold days towards spring and the uplift that gives to us all. Hear, hear, Rick. Thank you very much. I fully support, says Julie, Australian made, but with the rush of people buying caravans, please all be careful as there are many dodgy made vans out there and some people have lost so much by buying a lemon. Do your homework as our consumer protection laws aren't much help when you get to a lemon van. They are pushing for better laws to protect people, but in the meantime, there are Facebook sites about buying lemons. There you go. Thank you, Julie. And from Doug, Dougie says, read the composition of railway sleepers. We were talking about railway sleepers a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. I've talked about them all the time because they make them out of plastic now, recycled plastic. They made them out of tyres. They make them out of concrete. They make them out of beautiful wood. Have you ever seen a freshly cut, beautiful, hardwood railway sleeper? A thing of beauty. Absolutely. I've seen them being made out there in the bush. Anyway, Dougie says, Dougie Mallet, read the composition of railway sleepers. I was on the Indian Pacific a few years ago and noted that all the sleepers were by then concrete. In chatting to the staff, they commented on the advantages that was long periods of use before replacement, but the disadvantage was far more frequent replacement of bearings in all the axles of the carriages and locos. You might like to try and get the current position, read the use and construction of concrete sleepers. Dougie, yeah, someone will know about it too. That's the uh, nice thing about it. And quickly, Nina, Nina Ambrose says, buy local if you live in Bendigo, buy Bendigo wool online. It doesn't mean Italian wool is wrong. If you live in a city, buy Australian-made ingredients. If you lived in England, I'd buy English-made. Support whatever economy you're around, says Nina. Good idea. A couple of little things here. I noted a bloke uh, that I talked to years ago, Steve Midgley, talking about Australian trees. He said they're uncut jewels. Our eucalyptuses are, eucalyptus are uncut jewels. And then Curly Lawson, the nephew of Henry Lawson, says if you're a gypsy and you're on the move and you can't settle down anywhere, he reckons it's in the blood. Do you want to listen? Firstly, Steve Midgley. Eucalypts and a lot of our Australian trees grow like stink. They're uh, pretty important around many parts of the world. A lot of people wouldn't be cooking their breakfast this morning unless they had some eucalypt wood to boil their billy or cook their morning food. No one else has got them. No one else has got the eucalypts and it's quite a unique gift that we've given the rest of the world. Over half the people in the world depend on firewood to keep themselves warm and to uh, cook their food and wood's getting in pretty short supply and the eucalypts are proving to be very useful to produce firewood and of course we've got this terrific world demand for short fibred uh, paper pulp computers and the photocopiers all that fine white paper probably comes from eucalypts our plants really are it's wild jungle material we've got out there it's a bag full of uncut diamonds we can cut and polish and improve that stuff 
to help both Australia and overseas. It's a uniquely Australian contribution to a wood-hungry world. We're the only ones who can do it. My mother had a great flair for moving. In other words, she loved just shifting the furniture from room to room or what it was, but she always liked to move after about 12, 18 months in one place. So I lived at Clavelli, but I was never home. I couldn't settle down. I thought I was sane. I probably was. In hindsight, I couldn't have been an easy bloke to live with. Simple as that. I couldn't see any future in hanging around the big smoke because everything was the up and go. And out the back country, I suppose, where I thought it was all going to be the up and go. I even spent six years on one place. That was at Maroolan, out from Goulburn. Henry was a bit uh, a bit footloose and he, and he didn't like to be tied down. You were a bit the, the same way yourself, weren't well, you? It actually just runs in families, it must. It couldn't be any other reason for it. My father was the same. He never stayed home. Even though he had ten of us. The same story. It's family-wise. Genetics. <laughs> See, that's Curly Lawson, Henry's nephew. He reckons it runs in families. It's genetics. Couldn't be anything else, he says. And everything was the up and go when he was a kid. And his father was a piano tuner and travelled around piano tuning. He had 10 kids. Steve Midgley there, I think he was with CSIRO. Uncut jewels, our eucalypts. Wild jungle material. Uniquely Australian. G'day, this is Macca. Yeah, hi Macca, it's Claire calling from Hay. Hi Claire. Um, yeah, I'm just ringing talking about the letter writing project. You were talking a few weeks ago about uh, how, you know, people are not writing letters. I wanted to share a story of um, my class in Newcastle who have written um, some letters and I'm um, starting up a new project. So uh, the, the letter project that they um, have already done, they've written to a little, stu- a little girl called Rose in Cabago. She was affected by the, the bushfires. And my class of students at New Lampton Public School, they actually saw Rose's story on um, BTN. And we thought, wow, she needed some support. So the students all wrote a letter, most of them handwritten, and sent, sent it off to Rose. And, and um, she responded and wrote back to every single student. And um, wow. we're, keeping, we're keeping, yeah, it's lovely. She talked about how... We were, we were really taken how she talked about how she lost her house and her favourite climbing tree. But she said, you know, I can, I can still write, I can still draw, and I can still make origami. And so the students in my class, the youthful students, they just made origami and they wrote letters and said, you know, thanks for sharing your story. You, um, you know, we, we, our teacher teaches us about resilience, but you've really taught us about resilience. So um, that's one project that I, that we started and we're waiting for Rose to um, respond back again. But I'm heading out, for, I'm on the Hay Plains heading out to a, my school that I used to teach at Dayton Public School. It's um, a, a school with a high Aboriginal population. I've taught there over 25 years ago mm. and met my husband there. So we've come across the Hay Plains every year for 25 years. And I thought this time I'm going to go back to the school and and meet up with the principal and just say, hey, let's um, let's connect with some Aboriginal students and start a connection with students from the city and learn the Aboriginal culture through letter writing. I think that's the best way to do it. And, you know, the children ask questions, they get curious, and it's a real um, a real purposeful writing task. That yeah, I think it's, letter it, writing is really important. The, yeah, it's it's something special, Claire, isn't it? It's it's 
it goes beyond, as a bloke said last week, and he said, you know, emails aren't, that, that's not letters, that's, that's, that's like a memo, he said, but there's something, there's something special about a letter itself where you've got your handwriting, you sit down, and, it, and it's great for kids. It's a great way. It's a new. It's new to them. It's a new way to a whole. Oh, this is new. A new way to to connect in lots of ways, and it's a different way. You can draw little drawings and little doodles on your thing, and you can use your handwriting, and you can work on improving your handwriting. And it's a physical thing, and it's a mental thing. It's just. I think it's fantastic. It is. It is, and to see their faces when um, they open the envelope, and you know they read it and they share it with their friends, and and you know you you. You always write questions at the end so you can get a response. So it's um it's a it's just a great learning tool and um hearing you talk about it thinking, yeah, I think it's really important. And um yeah. So it's nice and cold out here in Hay, of I, course. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I don't dare what's about about four degrees or five degrees? Yeah, yeah, I haven't had a look, but yeah, I, I would imagine it, it is. So um It's too cold to have a nice look. Nice and fresh. <laughs> No, I am standing outside, so yeah, it's um, nice and foggy, and, and um, yeah, no, it, it's um, it's gonna, it's just. The, I thought I'd share that with you. Well, it's nice to be in a country town on Sunday morning. I reckon. Um, just... uh, it is. It is. It is. My um, yeah, I got my te- first teaching job out here in the country at this school, Devon Public School, and and you know, I've brought my two daughters across the hay plains for the last. 25 years because I met my husband out there and and that is something that you know can never be taken away it's so special yes Claire teach teach, yeah take children out west I think it's really important look um you keep in touch and let us know how your your letter writing uh exercise goes with debt and public that'll be uh, that'll be a a great learning curve for everybody involved what's your school did you say New Lampton Public School in uh in Newcastle yeah all right. All right. Well, nice to talk to you, Claire. No worries. I'll let you know how it goes, Macca. Good on you. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Hi, Macca. G'day. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Vicky Wallace. Yes, Vicky. In the Dalgetty area. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just um, was listening to the guy talking about getting those bales up in South Australia, the Rotary people. And it just made me think that we should also give a huge shout out to the guys who do rural aid, who are the um, also the same guys that do buy a bail because they've been helping us down here on the Monero, which has been you're pretty dry to... down there, aren't you? Terrible. Well, yeah, it's um, look, oh, it has been worse. There's no question about it. Um, when my daughter was three, it was just like the surface of the moon. It was just revolting. We we have still got a bit of cover here where I am but I know um, a bit further more towards the Nimidville area is just just what it was when it, when mm. my daughter was three yeah and and the thing is that uh, like I've been married to my husband for almost you know 30 years I'm a Bondi girl and in those times we have never sent our sheep away on adjustment so we're just really lucky that Places up towards like Wellington and Cassilis and and those areas have had that beneficial rain because we'd be absolutely stuffed, you know. But they had been through drought and so hadn't got any stock on board. And because of the levels, the cost of stock right now, they they can't afford to buy in. So it's sort of like a a marriage of convenience, really. But um, 
you know, we have sent cattle away on on occasions, but we've never ever sent our sheep. But it's the cost of trying to feed them would just it's just you know it's so horrific and yeah. and it's but you know really I want to thank anybody that has put their hand in their pocket and 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 donated to buy a bale. Good on you, good on you, Vic. Yeah, yeah. And I hope I thought I saw some rain about the place, but nothing much would grow now. It's a bit too cold, isn't Look, we it? We had some snow on the hills mm. and a little, like maybe five mil, you know. But the whole thing is that, you know, the winds have been so bad down this way that it just sucks it straight out. You know, it might come down, and then you know, it's gone. Really. I saw mm. something the other day that said there might there was going to be a bit more water in the snowy. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, look, you know, it's it's a requirement, that's for sure and and you know, you look at the millions of dollars that's been spent to try and and, uh, and improve that environment. You you can't just go, well, sorry, it's just too tough and we won't follow that up because the recovery has been significant. We've now got trout down here in Dalgetty, which is obviously a benefic- benefit for the community because there that then triggers tourism and fishing and and it's just an it's just a benefit to the community as well. It's just a sigh of relief to, you know, it was just a gutter of nothing. It was disgusting when I first turned up yeah. here 30 years ago. So, yeah, but um, really sort of um, we're, I've decided this morning that I'm going to get a big thank you card and get everybody to sign it from down here and, and send it up. The, and they're based in Acacia Ridge, so that's just out of Queen, out of, out of Brisbane, and and there was another organisation that helped me many years ago when my mum was with me, and she had macular degeneration, significant hearing loss, and dementia, and it was pretty tough for me for a while. And Frontier Services, that's also based in Queensland, sent a couple of people just to help me out and take her out for a drive, and and just sort of allow me to get on with some of the other work stuff that I had to do here. So thank you very much to Frontier Services too as well. They'll probably be listening around there, uh, Vic, and they've probably heard you thank them too. Oh, but, look, um, you know. The card will always go well too. Well, look, I, I, I've, I actually donated this year to, to say thank you back to Frontier Services as well, you know, and that's the way it should work, you know. You take care of everybody when you can and they should take um. care of you when it gets tough. Good on you, Vicky. Thanks for your call. Good luck. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.